What do you think we could do better? How could you have done better? How can I help you do that better? So ask those, have those kind of questions too. My husband actually worked uh, in town. And so it was easy for him to, to be engaged and, and be active. And I, when he started traveling for work, that was a lot harder to keep him engaged. So it might have to be something that you have a running conversation about and that you can be uh, proactive with. Welcome back to the You Can Homeschool podcast, where Pat Fenner and Tracy Hegerman candidly discuss all things homeschooling, the good, the bad, and the brilliant. Go ahead and grab your favorite drink, find a cozy spot, and join this week's lively discussion. Hi, welcome back to You Can Homeschool. I'm Tracy Hegerman, the happy homeschooler, and I'm here once again with the lovely Pat Fenner from Breakthrough Homeschooling. Okay, okay. I have fun with that every week. <laughs> you do. That's okay. <laughs> you're you're, you're introducing you. <laughs> you co-host with Van, like Vanna White, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this week's topic is t- thinking about... Um, doing a post-mortem. So when I used to be a project manager, one of the things we would do at the end of every project is we would sit as a group and we would talk about how did our project go? We usually had a nice freshie or something in our hands (laughs) to celebrate, but um, it would be like, how did it go? But we'd also spend a lot of time talking about what worked, what didn't work, what, you know, was frustrating or whatever. So this is something that Um, that we use, this practice is something we did in our homeschool. So I would sit with my kids and I'll be honest, I usually did this not right when we finished school. It could be sometime in the summer. Um, And, but usually before I was doing the planning for the next year. So it would be a time where I would just sit down and say, okay, you know, uh, we're looking forward to the next year. What let's really talk about what worked well and what didn't. So Um, I had a number of specific questions that we would go through. So I'm going to share some of those today. So I think, uh, Pat, did you want to start us off with what you did as your postmortem? Postmortem. It's it's not, (laughs) it sounds like after you've killed everybody. And by this time of the year, you might feel like you want to, I don't know, you know, that's life. I'm just being real, keeping it real. Uh, no, a, a post-mortem is a wonderful thing to do. I have to admit that uh, <clears throat> I tended to do this more often uh, when the kids were younger because I, it just, it was easier to change, you know, try different things. And when we were uh, early in our journey of homeschooling, you know, try different approaches and methods and all that stuff. It was kind of fun and interesting. Uh, as the kids got older, especially in high school, it's, um, you know, you're kind of into, a, especially, and if they're college bound and things like that, you kind of have a uh, certain certain amount of stuff that like has to get done, the boxes that have to get checked off and things like that. So you, you might find yourself uh, 
this this is still important because you you know you still do have options in terms of what you're studying and, and things like that but but it was really a fun thing to do so especially if you're new to homeschooling you will definitely want to adopt this this, pro, this process uh, it's it's really good for you and for and your family you know when you're homeschooling uh, I have a rising senior this year and that's that's all I have in our home so I will definitely be doing this because I want to make her last year you know fun and as we, we're still in working through COVID and everything and so there are we'll have to be a little more creative and if you're in the same situation too you just have to ramp up that creative juice and to you know make make that last year something special but uh, yeah, so Tracy, go ahead, start hitting us with some of your questions. Okay, so we'd always try and start on a positive note. So I would ask them, I'd say, what are you the most proud of this year? And then I would just try and zip it, mm. <laughs> let them speak. Um, and it could be anything from a project they were working on, or sometimes they just sit there and go, hmm, I don't know. And then I might probe them a little bit too, mm-hmm. like, you know, I used to find math difficult. How'd it go this year? So I'd try to probe them to really get them to think about it and think about, and, and what I was trying to do there was um, highlight some of the positives to start with the positive. So what are you, what are you most proud of? And then I would go to the other end and say, what was the most difficult part of homeschooling this year? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that was a subject but sometimes it was the way we did things. And so one of the examples I like to use is my youngest daughter. Um, We used to have it so that we would do most of our schooling in the morning. And then we would spend a number of hours outside. And if they had anything to finish up later, they might do something before uh, dinner time. But my youngest daughter was really adamant one year about how she found it really hard to go straight through, like just And especially as she was starting to get a little older and there's more subjects and, you know, more difficult subjects, whatever. So she really advocated that she wanted to own her schedule and that she wanted to flip back and forth by work on something, go outside for half an hour, work on something else, go listen to music for half an hour. And I was really (laughs) not (laughs) feeling very favorable about her wanting to do this mostly because I thought she would be unfocused and wouldn't get would never get back to it and wouldn't get anything done. Mm-hmm. But the following year, um, when we sat down to plan it the year, she had sort of planned it out like this and believe it or not, it worked beautifully, mm-hmm. even though she spent a number of evenings working on stuff late into the night, she liked her schedule. She didn't complain mm-hmm. <laughs> and the work got done and the learning took place. So I really had to let go, which was very difficult. <laughs> but I might want to point out that this is what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to, and, and now when your daughter did this, what how, what grade or how old was she? Oh, she was probably 12 at the time. So I don't know, grade six, seven, something like, like we're that. We're talking middle school-ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is awesome you know a lot of people would be uh, I can hear a lot of listeners right now saying my kids are in high school they'd never do that you know kind of thing and but this is what you're shooting for and Tracy had been you know little by little letting her kids take ownership of their learning so by you know sixth seventh grade whatever this was uh, this was an experiment that 
she might, Tracy, you might not have felt totally comfortable starting <laughs> out with, uh, but paid off, you know, in spades, because if she's doing, you know, think about that. If your child is taking that much ownership at, <clears throat> excuse me, like sixth, seventh grade, you know, 10, 11, 12, think of what they're going to be doing in their future, you know, high school, college and beyond, you know. It is really incredible because she's today, actually, uh, well, we taped this in advance. So when you hear this, it won't be today, but <laughs> she's actually waiting to hear. She's supposed to get all her final marks for her last year of university today. So we'll find out if she is graduating. She's very excited to find out. Um, so she'll be done. But when I think back, I think of even with this year of, of college university, she has been on a board of directors. She's had a part-time job. She also broke her leg. So she's been limping around trying to do that, she's managing all her course, you know, and then everything else on top of COVID. And I think of how well she's been managed, been able to juggle things. But again, that went back to that period of time, letting her own her schedule. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So after that, another thing that we um, looked at is we always had a homeschooling formula and I, I really encourage people to do this and people have heard our formula over and over, <laughs> but it was always a quarter time academics, a quarter time volunteering, a quarter time outdoors and a quarter time of scheduled downtime to do whatever you want that didn't involve TV or electronics of any kind. But we would actually talk about this formula of ours. And again, your formula might be, I don't know, 40% academics and 20% volunteering, whatever works for your family. But this is pretty much our formula. So what we do, we would actually talk about each piece of that equation and talk about, did you feel like it was academically heavy this year? too academically heavy? Did you feel um, you didn't have enough spare time? And I remember my son saying he wanted more scheduled downtime, like he needed more and he needed less activities out um, so that he could pursue projects that he had at home. So he, the next year we, he actually reduced, I think he was only doing scouting and he, we used to have like gymnastics and a number of everything, but he wanted to hold back on that because he wanted more time for more of his own projects and when we did that he realized that that worked for him he felt much happier the next year with that op more open time so again we would we would walk through that with each of them and talk about it. so this this conversation we would have would usually you know it wasn't a 10 minute thing it, we might talk about it for half a day or over a couple days if we didn't get it all done. But it, it usually happened in one session, but it was it was usually at least an hour, at least we would just. Well, and, and two, the, the one thing I want to point out was, uh, you know, it, it, like you said, it doesn't have to be a, a one time shot, although, it, you know, it's convenient if you can do a one time shot. But uh, it's important that, that it that it is a conversation like, you know, Tracy said, ask the question and zip your lip. And I agree with that because you want to hear from them. Um, but at the, the flip side is you don't want your child to feel like they're being interrogated, you know, like they have a light bulb over their head and, and, and you know, <laughs> you're the interrogator. So you, you want to, you want to, any questions that you will be asking, you want them to be leading questions, you know, not necessarily try to avoid the yes, no, because it doesn't really foster conversation. And the other thing I just, as you're talking about this with one of my son's we had this this uh, date time that we did once a week that we'd go to Sonic <clears throat> and we you know, either just 
get a drink or just sit or whatever, sit in the car and talk. And uh, when we did, when I did the end of the year assessments, that's where we did them because because my son was used to just having a conversation with me. We just talked about things there. And so it was a very natural uh, location to have this. And he, and it just felt like we were just having another talk. I, I don't think half of the time that he realized I was doing, <laughs> trying to assess how the year went because it was just, he was used to having questions, having me ask him questions. And then he'd ask me questions and, you know, it was a real conversation. So, you know, be flexible with the environment too, that, that, that you're doing this and don't feel like it has to be a, uh, you know, like an interrogative kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I guess I always wanted to stress that when we were doing it, like I said, we didn't usually do it when we finished school, we mm-hmm. let a couple of months go by and it was more as we were heading to the next year. And I always presented it as, wow, homeschooling year, we're getting ready. You know, we're going to get your new books or, you know, stuff. And I'd be like, Hey, I want to have a great year. I want you guys to have a really awesome year. So let's talk about some of the things that worked really well. And let's, let's remember the things that didn't, so we can fix it yeah. for this year. So it was always really um, a positive. So, so on that note, one of the questions was if you could change one thing about the past year, what would it be? And invariably they, they probably answer more than one, but it was like, okay, think of the biggest thing that if you made this change, it would, you, you think it would make this much of an impact on this year. So it really got them thinking again. Mm-hmm. What, what about it? Um, and then it was, what was your least favorite thing about this past year? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we don't want to hear the answers, but I think there's value in it, you know? There is. Well, I think the times that we don't want to hear the answers, and I've been guilty of this over, over time too, is uh, because we're afraid it reflects on us, you know, that, that if there was something that they didn't like or something that didn't go well, Oh my goodness! I'm a I'm a terrible teacher. I'm a lousy homeschooler. I'm a bad mom. Like what you fill in the blank, whatever you, you know, whatever your negative messages um, are. But we do that a lot as moms. You know, if if there's we have this mental construct of what our homeschool should look like, or what we want it to look like, you know, or the ideal homes, some kind of ideal homeschool, and if something doesn't measure up. Uh, I guess, you know, cancel culture is very popular right now, right? So we just cancel it all. So we're all, nothing's good if everything can't be. And that's, that's not healthy, you know? So it, it is good to be able to ask your kids. And it is hard though. I will give you that. You know, I, I can give an example of that one of the things, I think it was my son who had said, you know, you have like a language arts book, you know, for the grammar or whatever. And I would get behind on the corrections sometimes, you know, you got three kids and you got dinner going and this and then, and I'd usually try and turn it around like within 48 hours or, but you know, sometimes, and then you'd say, mom, like it was really difficult to go back and look at the corrections, you know? So we talked about this and I was telling them how I sometimes felt overwhelmed. So they came up with a few things. So sometimes my son and daughter would swap their books and they correct each other's or, um, as long as it wasn't a test, they did get to a point where they were doing their own corrections mm-hmm. because they could, they could go back and say, oh, I, th- I thought it was this one, but oh, that's what it is. Rather than me making them go back to their corrections to, mm-hmm. to look at it, you know, what, where they're, they're, they're not even in that headspace anymore. So that was a big thing. So that helped me because it cut down on how much I was doing. And for them, it was giving them immediate feedback. Yeah. So, so that was something that really 
help. But at first when they said that I was, you know, I wanted to make excuses about why mom got behind, but that wasn't what we were supposed to be doing. It was like, well, how can we improve this? You know? Right. Exactly. As, as you're saying this, I'm looking at a chem two chemistry tests that I need to grade. <laughs> okay. Guilty. <laughs> guilty. Well, I graded the tests, but yes. you know, the regular. The yeah. Yeah. On more and more. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, what's another question that you had? Um, which months were the most difficult and why? Mm -hmm. And for us in Canada, it ended up being the winter months, mm -hmm. which is something they said, like they found it so long, um, yeah. you know, hard to get motivated some days. And that's when we changed our schedule. I talk about this in my book, the happy homeschooler, we changed our scheduling so that half of their book work was done by Christmas. Mm -hmm. And even though the rest of the year, you know, from January till June is a longer time period. Um, we stretched out the academics more so that during the winter months, we had more outdoor time and volunteer time um, and activities during that time so that it, they didn't, it didn't feel so long. And that made a huge difference in our homeschooling. So yeah, you know, you can do that. If you haven't discovered this already, you don't have to, even with all the, the planning, I, I know some of you are real planners and i I was always that too. I loved planning the next year and things like that. That doesn't mean it's got to be a Monday through Friday, monthly, daily schedule. You know, Tracy's planning became how can we condense everything in the fall slash early winter and then spread it out in the spring? You can do that, you know, yeah. no matter what your laws are locally, because as long as you are, uh, whether it's days of the week or lesson plans that you have to create or whatever, uh, you can still have all of those done and be able to check off those boxes legally, but your schedule doesn't have to be a specific schedule. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, another question we had was, uh, which were some of your favorite homeschool days and why? Mm. And I think, you know, one of them was we built a big tent <laughs> And then we sat in the tent and we read books for three hours one day. I think somebody had a cold that day. And, you know, we were like, we were reading a book that we would do a lot of our reading together. And then it was like, can we just read another chapter? Can we just, and then I was like, yeah, let's do the reading for the week, and we'll, you know, in the tent. So, but asking the kids, like, what, what things did they really enjoy? Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember my son pointing out, he really liked listening to audiobooks over lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And so we would extend our lunch time to about an hour. Um, and then they would eat and, you know, clean up their stuff, but they would be listening to audiobooks. So that was another thing that, you know, we ended up doing a lot more books mm -hmm. you know, because of that. And so. a, side, a, a side benefit of asking even that question in particular is if you haven't as of yet taken the time to really understand your child's learning style, that that's a, an incredibly revealing question to help you do that, you know, because the activities or the, I think she asked about what homeschooling days, but you could also ask like, what activities do you like? Mm -hmm. Those will give you insight into how they learn because when they're doing something that fits into their natural learning, they, you know, format, they'll like it. They'll enjoy it. It'll be fun. It'll be notable. They'll want to repeat that. And so that will give you a, you know, a clue or insight too, as to their learning styles. And there, that's a good reason to try to replicate those, those uh, activities or events. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I would um, kind of do a thing like on a scale from one to 10, I would say, how often did you feel overwhelmed? 
And then I just, you know, point to them and just, you know, give me a number, give me a number one being not overwhelmed, 10 being really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd say, okay, on a scale from one to 10, how often did you feel frustrated on a scale from one to 10? How often did you feel motivated? So it kind of gave an overall gauge and then we try and probe like, okay, what were things that really frustrated you with that? So I think one of the biggest things of doing all this is your, your children feel heard Mm. because it is their schooling. And as they get older, you want them to own it. So you want them to be able to analyze, okay, this isn't working. So instead of, instead of getting the complaining, it's like, okay, this isn't working, but what can we do about it? Mm -hmm. And, and so it really helps them go through that process mm-hmm. and, and it's okay to complain, just make a suggestion and let's try it out. Right. So, um, yeah. So those are kind of the questions. Again, you, you can, you'll find that as you start asking your kids, I know with mine, they got more and more, I had to ask less and less questions. They would automatically, the conversation would just go, mm-hmm. you know, um, because when they're feeling heard, they, they feel safe and comfortable in sharing. And so they will start talking more. Yeah. And, and then after, you know, after you do that, and then you get, you know, one of the last questions I'd ask them is which subjects did you enjoy the most? Mm -hmm. And that would kind of sort of start getting me thinking, okay, I think this one is interested in this area Mm -hmm. of study as they go up, Mm -hmm. but it's validating that. Mm -hmm. So you know, with my son, he really liked the math and the sciences, you know, so again, that's kind of validating where they might be heading. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what's interesting about that too, is you might have, okay, so for example, using your son who was interested in math and sciences might have been saying though, I want to be an artist when I grow up. Well, that would be an interesting observation to make, Not, you know, saying, well, gee, you, you know, you talk about wanting to do something really creative, which is fine, you know, but boy, look at that, math and science were your favorite subjects. I wonder what, what careers you know, we can explore that have to do with that. Now he knew in this example, of course, he knew he wanted engineering, but you know, there are times when, you know, when my daughter went into college, she believed she wanted to do something uh, with graphic arts. And, uh, and so she looked for schools and, and that was what she wanted to go in with. Well, when she went to finally decide on the school she was gonna attend, she actually uh, was offered the position of a, a work study to help pay for college, uh, working in the computer department, which she's like, oh, I have no interest. I have less than any interest in that. And my husband kind of talked to her and well, just give it a shot. You know, it's going to help you pay your way through college. How hard, you know, how ho- horrible can it be? She ended up getting all kinds of certifications, learned how to rebuild a computer, uh, which which segued into meeting a professor who was, uh, took students traveling, you know, for the studied abroad. And she ended up spending a semester in in, uh, Costa Rica and just realized how much she loved to travel. And and that that is really what ended up happening. Like she studied Spanish, she ended up majoring in Spanish and economics and traveled a lot. which led into the career that she's doing right now. She's not traveling right now, but she's hosting people and she's you know, very much in a hospitality career. So you just never know. It's definitely different from graphic artists. She's not doing anything with related to that anymore. But it's, you know, it's, it's just an example of how our interests as we 
remain open to learning new things and doing new things, how they can just uh, open doors that you don't even, I can't even imagine at one point. Yeah. And, and I also think nowadays, like you've got to be really willing to change, mm-hmm. you know, change what you're doing. So, so one of the last things we did is, okay. So after I let my kids talk about all this, moms, don't forget about yourselves. Yes. So you should go through the questions for yourself. Now, if the kids are really, really young, they don't need to sit through that. But I often would have the kids <laughs> say, okay, what was, they would say, okay, mom, what were you most proud of this year or whatever? So I would go through the questions as well and try to figure out things that I found frustrating or difficult. And we would come to sort of an agreement. So one of them I already mentioned was like the correcting. Another, another thing was um, I was feeling somewhat overwhelmed with, you know, household chores. And even though my kids had always helped um, one of the things I was always falling behind was, you know, folding laundry or whatever. (laughs) And then we got this thing where the kids got their scouting badges in their household. I don't know what it was exactly the badge, but you know, they'd had to do their own laundry and that. So, but what they would do, I said, okay, we're going to do reading now. Why don't you bring your mm-hmm. thing of laundry to be folded or clean clothes? I guess not laundry anymore if it's clean. And so they would be folding while they were listening. So they were doing something hands-on, but it also gave them more time. So we, we worked in some of those chores and, uh, and, you know, so it was, again, these conversations, like, how is it going for mom? And it's important because, you know, you want to get up on Monday and you, you want to feel energized for your week. You don't want to feel like, oh, it's Monday homeschooling. And I mean, sometimes we do, but I wanted to feel excited about homeschooling. And I've, I've often felt like it is my duty as their teacher to be excited about them learning and myself teaching. So what are the things that I need to do in the schedule for me? And another one that was a big one that popped out is, I find there's a lot of homeschool moms do that. They have a lot of responsibilities, homeschooling, maybe they're working part-time, you know, they, they have um, time with their husband that, but there was very little time for mom. And, and we're very guilty of that, of just go, go, go until we, you know, fall over. And so it became pretty clear to me that I needed some time away once a week. Um, So my husband, there was one night of the week that I did go out with some friends, usually just for coffee. (laughs) And, and dessert. <laughs> um, but I found that gave me a time, like just a little, you know, and it was always with other homeschooling moms. So they kind of been in the same situation, but that's something that I realized how much I needed it and how much it affected my attitude and my energy level. Um, so that was something that I was very, um, good at scheduling in and leaving it in the schedule. Mom did get a night out a week. So moms, you got to do that too. What, what helps you? Maybe you want to take a really nice bath once a week. I don't know. Maybe you want to get your nails done once a week. I, that's not something that mattered to me, but I know that some people find that really relaxing. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Good. Yeah. That is the other thing I want to mention Uh, besides also the mom self-care issue is moms. You do want to take, you might want to do some of this with your husband too. And especially if, you know, very typically husbands, you know, will be the breadwinners. There are always exceptions. And especially with this generation, there are more active hands-on homeschool dads. But traditionally, you know, you have one breadwinner and then the teacher, because it is a, a both are, can be full-time jobs. 
So if that's the case and your, your husband is kind of hands off and removed a little bit from the day to days, you still might want to check with him. And how do you think this year went, you know, were you feeling engaged? Cause that's a common, you know, complaint that dads challenge, you know, the dads aren't engaged as, as part of things, you know, what do you think we could do better? How could you have done better? How can I help you do that better? You know, so ask those, have those kind of questions too. I didn't do that a lot. We did that when the kids were young and my husband actually worked uh, in town. And so it was easy for him to, to be engaged and, and be active. And when he started traveling for work, it was a lot harder to keep him engaged. So it might have to be something that you have a running conversation about and that you can be uh, proactive with, but uh, that is a challenge. And, you know, he, he's part of the part of homeschooling and, uh, it's worth getting his, uh, his input, his feedback. So I hope that helps you all. And again, so we, you know, we had eight to 10 questions, but I think the whole purpose of this episode was just to say that at some point, definitely take time to ask, have those conversations with your kids, with your spouse, with yourself, what's working, what's not working so that you can continually um, improve your homeschooling. That's what we really want for all of you to just have a a blessed time as you homeschool. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a great note to end that on. And I do want to just point out that this today's episode is episode 49. And next week is a banner episode for us. Ah, Tracy and I are celebrating 50 episodes of the You Can Homeschool podcast. We are thrilled to death. If you- <laughs> If you haven't yet submitted a question, because we will be uh, answering listeners' questions, you can submit them to uh, speakpipe.com slash or backslash, try it, you know, backslash. Anyway, speakpipe.com slash Pat Fenner, one word, lowercase. Okay, and send us a question. We would love to feature you on next week's episode. We're so excited, 50 50 episodes is quite a milestone and and we're we're excited about it. So uh, yeah, so that's all that we have for you today. Uh, Of course, we'll check out the uh, uh, notes for any links that uh, we've referred to in this episode. Definitely come back next week, join us and celebrate with our 50th episode, bring a cup of your favorite beverage and, uh, and just remember, ladies and gents, you can homeschool and it can be awesome. (laughs) All right. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the you can homeschool podcast. Thanks for joining us for another Candid Conversation. For more information on life-changing books, courses, and coaching services, or if you have a homeschooling topic you'd like to hear discussed in a show, check our show notes for how to reach out to Pat and Tracy.